0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: In the Mississippi Legislature, Senate Bill 2145 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop Senate Bill 2145. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future.
2: Well, all the folks in the Capital City metro area love to have you join me tomorrow morning, 6 till 9, Gallo Show. We'll start your day the informed way. Super Talk Mississippi 97.3.
0: Putting our differences to the side and talking about something we all love. In our old man river, lavish lakes and
1: streams, pints full of the wildest life and possibilities. I see one Mississippi, there's a magnolia tree.
0: It's Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: From the Foundation Studio on Biloxi's Back Bay, welcome to Super Talk Outdoors, where we celebrate every single Monday at lunchtime the world-class outdoors of the state of Mississippi. Because, as I say every week, we are the capital of the outdoors in America, and we want to stay that way. That is for sure. Thank you for joining us on the powerful Super Talk Mississippi Radio Network or on Super Talk TV at SeaSpire TV. But a lot of you watch the show on YouTube or Facebook or you listen on your favorite podcast for that reason, I always give the date. It's March the thirteenth uh, two uh, two thousand and twenty three. Hey, listen, I'll start the show today with two show two quotes that apply greatly to the what i'm going to discuss today and there are, there are quotes that i've shared before but they're so important the first one is from nancy newell and it is as she said this conservation is humanity caring for the future it's that short and sweet but boy is that true so by generational work it's the work that we do for our kids and our kids kids and the and the second one from aldo leopold leopold which I couldn't think of a better person to quote based on what we're about to talk about. Conservation is a state of harmony between men and land. And if we're not careful, we will get out of harmony as it relates to that. And and that's what I want to talk about today. Hey, listen, I had invited James Cummings from Wildlife Mississippi to join me today to talk about the latest on the farm bill. But then I learned about a really... Interesting meeting that's going to happen this week, a, 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 a meeting of deer kings. And uh, I want to talk to you about it. Uh, I posted this at the Super Talk Outdoors Facebook page, and thousands of people have already engaged with it. But here's what I said The battle to stop the very few rich, high fence deer breeders in the state from becoming deer kings by making the sale of white tailed deer legal in Mississippi, unfortunately, has only just begun. They seek to set Mississippi's conservation and wildlife management efforts back by moving away from the North American wildlife conservation model. Case in point, there's a meeting this week that has been called by the head deer breeder, Billy DeVinning. A lot of powerful people will be there. People directly involved in making this legal or potentially making this legal. They will be wined and dined at the exclusive private capital club in downtown Jackson, and they will hear only one side of the story. While House leadership not only killed two bills that would have made the sale of white deer illegal, they urged the Commission for the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks to delay considering any resolution. The general public has been mostly in the dark while these powerful people huddle. I'll say what I said before. The quickest way for this issue to be put to bed is for the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks Commission to pass a resolution banning the sale of white-tailed deer. Then next year the legislature should slam the door shut on this issue once and for all. It's time for the outdoorsmen and women from across the state to get organized. Every hunting club, every conservation organization, and every individual in this state who believes that wildlife in this state belong to the people should come forward and let your voice be be known. It's time to get organized, and then I added more to come a lot I could say about setting this up, but I think the best way to sort of, for people who have not paid attention to this issue, this is a letter from a month or two ago signed by the CEO of the Boone and Crockett Club, the president and CEO of the National Deer Association and the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. It kind of puts it in perspective uh, for the most part. So here it is. Historically, public ownership of wildlife and the right to hunt them have been closely tied to rights to keep and bear arms. Because most Americans have always enjoyed widespread access to firearms, their ability to hunt and consume wild game has been enjoyed by people of nearly all economic and social classes regardless of wealth or privilege. When dead wildlife were bought and sold generations ago, we nearly lost some of our most iconic species, white-tailed deer, wild turkey, wood ducks, and hundreds of species of birds that were sold for, for just their feathers. Deer, for example, had dwindled to fit only 1,500 animals throughout the state of Mississippi. Then state law prohibited the buying and selling of white deer. Up until recently, all of our attorney generals had agreed on this established law. However, a new opinion from the current attorney general, Lins Fitch, has concluded that the commission, this is the Commission on Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, could craft a regulation allowing for the commercial trade of white-tailed deer held within high-fence enclosures between registered captive breeders without specifically contravening any express legislative act? Not only do we believe this conclusion was erroneous and contrary to Mississippi law and past Attorney General's opinions, we have significant concerns should the state and commission develop a regulation allowing the sale of deer. The sale of wildlife sets a dangerous precedence for the future of hunting and wildlife conservation in Mississippi, especially when it comes to infectious diseases like chronic wasting disease that threaten the future of our deer and deer hunting uh, heritage. Because of CWD, we are already witnessing a reduction of deer, especially mature bucks, and hunting success in parts of the state. And I'll add to this incidentally, by the way, don't think for a second this isn't a serious issue because it is. Now the letter continues, at a time when putting food on the table is important to so many Mississippians. This Attorney General's opinion is also opposed by the majority of the 780,000 sportsmen and women across the state. Most of whom support fair chase hunting and believe that wildlife should continue to belong to the people of, the, of our great state. Wildlife should not be up for sale to the highest bidder or the politically connected. We must ensure that our elected officials in Mississippi, from the governor who appoints the wildlife commissioners to the attorney general who interprets the wildlife laws, for example, protect our native wildlife and associated recreational economy and the healthy native population of wildlife remain accessible for all Mississippians to enjoy. And then it goes on to say who has signed the letter. This is an extremely important issue, the fact that there's another meeting happening. I've been told by various parties, high-ranking people, I might add, they know who they are, to for me to stop talking about this. They want me to stop talking about it. Meanwhile, the head Deer King or Deer King wannabe is wanting to have all these meetings with all these people behind the scenes to try to align folks, while the outdoors community sort of thinks that this is not this is not an issue, and we don't need to be focused on it. We need to be focused today more than we've ever been focused before. And as I said, I had invited James Cummings from Wildlife Mississippi to join me today uh, to talk about the Farm Bill. And James is one of the country's foremost experts on conservation practices. He's written books about it, and he lives right here in Mississippi. And we're proud to have him. Let me welcome my friend James Cummings to uh, Super Talk
2: Outdoors. How are you doing, James? I'm doing great. Thanks, Ricky. It's good to be on the show.
3: It's good to see you. Hey, listen, I think a great place to start. We posted at, at uh, Mississippi Whitetail's this statement from uh, Super Talk Outdoors this morning. And someone asked this question. I think it's a good question. And I think it's one we ought we to tackle right off the bat. And here's the question. How does private sell of farm-raised white-tailed deer have a negative impact on the North American model for, of conservation? The, this is legal in multiple states where I am not aware of any conservation issues existing. Is the fact is the is there fact-based quality research and science that has found negative impacts of these deer farms? Now, James, let me just add before before you answer the question that I had Robbie Kroger on from, from uh, um, Blood Origins two weeks ago. And he said that when you look at the vectors of cwd across the, the nation they, they there's a lot of connections back to breeding facilities uh so for for someone to wonder is not aware of any conservation issues that exist man this is a if you look at texas for example it's a mess there's been millions of dollars spent on legal fees there's been a supreme court uh, rulings it's a mess we don't want mississippi to be a mess and we don't want our department to have to spend millions of dollars defending itself Anyway, with that said, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on the answer to that question?
2: So, I, I, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, if you get back into looking at, at high fence operations, especially around the country where, where we're breeding cervids, whether it be elk or deer, yeah, we're seeing a, 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 a much increased prevalence of chronic wasting disease. And the bad thing about CWD is, is there's no cure uh you know and we're doing such a great job in Mississippi thanks to our department of wildlife thanks to private landowners thanks to deer hunters we're now in the top 10 states in terms of the Boone and Crockett record book with some of the largest deer you know we we've got a great trajectory you know in terms of of managing our populations well and the last thing we need is, you know is is chronic wasting disease putting a, a stick in our spoke so to speak and you know you mentioned I went and. up you know, I, I pulled this right here. You know, this is a this is a research paper that came out of Wyoming, and the title of it is "Chronic Wasting Disease Drives Population Decline of Whitetail Deer." Last time I checked, Wyoming wasn't exactly a liberal state. Um, uh, it, it, so it's much like Mississippi in terms of a high percentage of people that like to deer hunt.
3: Hey, this let's is- do this, James. Let's do this. We'll pick it up right there, Wyoming on the other side. We'll continue to talk about the very fact-based quality research that's been done. It shows the negative impact of uh, deer farms on on state's ability to manage wildlife. Here we go. with uh, We'll come back here in just a second with uh, James Cummings. We'll see you after this break.
1: Mississippi where sings, out on his limb. Whistling that sweet soul for him. I said three Mississippi to this land called.
4: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, mostly sunny, high near 61. Tonight, mostly clear with areas of frost, low around 36. Your Tuesday, mostly sunny, high near 59. Tuesday evening, frost possible, low around 35. And for your Wednesday, sunny conditions, high near 67. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha Outboard dealer in Brandon.
5: Spring is near, so it's time to get in gear with the mighty 3E John Deere compact tractor from Ag Up Equipment. This tough tractor is efficient, economical, and easy to use. And with 0% for 60 months, plus an added $1,000 off, Ag Up Equipment is making it even easier to own. Gear up for spring with big savings at Ag Up Equipment. Visit any of our 16 convenient locations or browse online at agup.com. Offer Enzo 43023. Some exclusions apply. See dealer for details.
0: The Lauren Rogers Museum of Art in Laurel, Mississippi presents Dale Chihuly's Laguna Murano Chandelier, considered by most to be Chihuly's most important glass sculptural work. Comprised of almost 1,000 pieces of glass, the incredible installation celebrates the art form which has its roots in Venice, Italy. The exhibition is on view at the Lauren Rogers Museum of Art, located in historic downtown Laurel through April 8th as part of the museum's centennial celebration in 2023. As always, admission is free.
2: All well, the folks in the Capital City metro area love to have you join me tomorrow morning, 6 till 9, Gallo Show. We'll start your day the informed way. Super Talk Mississippi 97.3.
0: Leading the conversation on Mississippi's outdoors. It's Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi.
3: Welcome back to Super Talk Outdoors. As I said at the beginning of the show, I'm a little hot and bothered today, and we should be because there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff happening in Mississippi. That uh, if you're a conservationist, if you're an outdoorsman, you ought to be incredibly concerned about it. When we went to break, we're talking about with James Cummings from Wildlife Mississippi, who's literally written the book about conservation in America. Um, we're talking about some of the some of the work that's been done in other states and what we've learned from other states about. Uh, you know, deer deer farms, so, so to speak. Anyway, let's come back to you were mentioning Wyoming. What were you What were you going to make the point you were going to make, James?
2: Yeah. So, if if you look at the research that was conducted out of Wyoming, uh, that that research shows that you know affected populations where chronic disease, chronic wasting disease, is in those populations, they're not sustainable. Where you have a high disease prevalence under under current harvest levels. That is not what we want in Mississippi. You know, if I look at at our state statutes, you know, we're to regulate high fences based on regulations that protect our native wildlife and protect our recreational economy. Hunting in Mississippi represents 34,000 jobs. Think of the times we call a special session in the legislature for less than 10 percent of that. You know that just shows the significance of 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 this in terms of our recreational economy. It's a three billion dollar industry as it is. We don't need things that can put those dollars, those jobs, in our. I don't play golf, but I love to deer hunt. You know we don't need to put those types of things that Mississippians love to do. You know at risk because you know a few people want to want to have it their way and 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 really increase our chances of you've got a very small percentage of the population want to do something that puts a huge percentage at risk um i did you know as as, as governor barber once said you know uh, good policy makes good politics well i'm going to take the reverse of that bad policy makes bad politics so I don't know why we're even having this discussion.
3: That, that's what amazes me about this. this. This is an issue that the majority of the vast majority of outdoorsmen and women in this state would uh, would uh, support and do support. In fact, those with high fence, I've heard from a lot of high fence owners and they're, they're upset about this, to be honest with you, because they don't want the focus to become about the high fence. They want, you know, th- th- this, this is about deer breeding and about transporting, so purchasing and transporting deers from deer breeding facilities to other high fence areas of Mississippi. Um, it's a, it's a serious problem. You mentioned Governor Barber. I heard from yeah I got a call from him yesterday we just called up and I uh, had the the pleasure of writing the foreword to his book America's Great Storm Leading awesome. Through Hurricane Katrina and you know Governor Barber often said what you just said that good policy makes good politics that's why I'm so surprised that we're here it it seems it seems so this is this should be this should be a this should be an election year issue that people would support. Instead, they're trying to diminish it, so they give people like Billy D'Avino an opportunity to build ahead of steam. I wonder why that is, James.
2: Uh, you know it's... So many times in in Mississippi, a state I dearly love, we seem to do things based on politics and not good policy. Um, it, so I don't. I, I it, it seems sometimes it's all about the next election, not about about the citizens. So <clears throat> I'm hoping we'll get through that. You know, at some point, you know, maybe we can. You know, look, I, I don't want us to be number fifty. I want us to be number one. Uh, I, and
3: yeah. So James Robbie Kroger from Blood Origin said on my show, you know, he's he's defending hunting rights around the world. And he says of CWD in America, when he looks at the vectors they're, they, they they often connect back as I said earlier. But what he also says is that CWD could threaten hunting like nothing else. It could literally threaten our hunting heritage. That
2: is real, isn't it? That's 100% real and, and, and- Robbie is a is a PhD wildlife biologist. He's doctor Robbie Kroger too. I mean he's 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 very well trained. He's one of our nation's foremost experts. You know, it it it's it's the thing that keeps me up at night worried about how, how, do, how, do, how do we protect there's and there's no cure. I mean that's the problem. there is no cure, you know uh, we're seeing we're seeing this already in certain parts of the state. Uh, a new case found in Tunica County uh, last week or it was announced last week anyway um, you know, but it's it, you know besides just the you know the scientific problems of of this disease running rampant through our throughout our population, you know if I go back and I look at a lot of what you know you mentioned Boone and Crockett Club, it's about fair chase hunting. Fair chase hunting began in nineteen oh two in the South Delta in Mississippi when Theodore Roosevelt refused to shoot a tied up bear. Whether you're you're refusing to shoot a tied up bear or you're refusing to shoot a, a deer that's that's in a fence that has an ear tag and you look in a catalog and say, I want number 47, you know, that's not what hunting is about. Hunting is about an experience. It's about getting to know. We've got, you know, Boona Crockett, one of our great members is Donald Trump Jr. You know, and one of the things that he really enjoys is not, it's not just about the hunt, it's about the experience. And I think we're losing that here in this argument. I think that's a great point.
3: Hey, lastly, I said Texas is a mess. Texas is a mess. People might cite Texas as a great example of high fence hunting. Um, but it's a mess, isn't it, buddy?
2: It's a it's a total mess. And You know, look, I don't want Mississippi to be like Texas. You know, Nevada has things. I don't want Mississippi to be like Nevada. You know, we've got to do things in this state that make Mississippi better than everybody else. And we need to learn from our mistakes, whether it's things we've done in Mississippi or things that Texans or other states have done. We need to use that to our advantage and guard ourselves of how we can pre- protect our deer, how can we protect an economy and how can we protect our citizens that enjoy hunting.
3: Wildlife belong to the people that's at the core of the North American conservation model that, that Aldo Leopold brought to America. And uh, Mississippi has is the capital of the outdoors in America because we have stood by that. Let's not let a few rich, high fence deer breeders who want to become deer kings stop that because they're politically connected. Please, please pay close attention to this issue. Do your own homework. Go study the Supreme Court rulings in in Texas and other states and see what a mess it is when you open up this Pandora's box. Okay, we're going to shift gears. Uh, James, you've been working hard on the Farm Bill. That's so important to Mississippi within the context of the Outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund. We're talking about having millions and millions of dollars available to Mississippi and really every state in the nation. But this is so important, isn't it?
2: It, it totally is. And and if you look at Mississippi, we're almost 90% private land. Uh, you know, we've got a number of different public areas, uh, but we're a private land state. Uh, having a very robust farm bill, uh, the farm bill spends $6 billion a year on conservation. Uh, if I look at, at, for example, Wetland Reserve or... Con- if you look at the entire Southeast in in terms of land enroll in the conservation reserve program, one third of all Southeastern states is in Mississippi. Although one third of all that dollars that are spent is in the state of Mississippi, big economic impact, big conservation impact, uh, wetland reserve. I mean, a quarter million acres in waterfowl habitat in Mississippi alone. Uh, and, and we've been fortunate, to, you know, you know, I miss Senator Cochran every day and, and what, what a champion he was, uh, in terms of really bringing up good farm bill programs and i tell you trent kelly is following along in his footsteps uh he just uh is in the process of dropping a new build called a forest conservation easement program uh that that will really help I mean, what he saw was in the pacific northwest uh, the spotted owl, and he said we don't need that, hurting our timber industry in Mississippi. And so he's he's trying to put together a program that we can work toward improving populations, improving uh, species, uh, and do it in a very pro-private property rights, voluntary, incentive-based manner that that we tend to 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 do very well at participating in here.
3: Hey, James, I had a real good conversation last week actually with with uh, Lieutenant Governor David Hoseman about um, his intention last year they they were able to do 10 million the intention this year is to do 20 million and we discussed that and uh, you know uh, i've had a continuing conversations with other leaders in the legislature i think there's there's growing agreement that we've got to have a dedicated funding source that we've got to get we got to get legislators aligned around it but i think the most important one is this that we need we since since the farm bill could really fund some pretty significant projects that could be multi-year because you don't have a dedicated funding source and because you can't agree you can't be sure what's coming next year it's hard to really commit to projects that might go over two or three or four years we need to be able to do that and um and the kind of matching dollars that we're talking about putting with that from the federal standpoint james now right now we're looking at about $2 Two dollars for every dollar we spend—that's what the current experience is in terms of programs that are being analyzed by the the stewardship trust fund, which I think is terrific. But we could take, we could put that on steroids on the federal level. We need a dedicated funding source for many reasons, but that's one of the good reasons, isn't it?
2: We, we, we totally do and if you if you look at states uh it, it, first off i want to commend lieutenant governor Hosman i mean it, his work on the outdoor stewardship trust fund went above and beyond and and i certainly appreciate his hard work there uh and trying to trying to make sure we end up with 20 million as i understand it we had 50 million in applications. so i i don't think i don't think it's going to be a problem putting the money to good use and i'll give you an example one program one Project that uses federal funds is protecting a lot of Jackson's drinking water their watershed Uh, and according to the Environmental Protection Agency for every $1 we spend on source water protection you spend $27 on water treatment savings so hey look this stuff this is good good conservative conservation this makes good sense. Uh, hey James, we we're out
3: of time for. Funds. We're out of time for today, but what I want to do, we'll get you back in the next couple of weeks, and we'll really bore down on how this thing is evolving, your involvement in it. Uh, it's exciting to see that it's going to potentially get reauthorized with significantly more dollars that could benefit Mississippi. This has been James Cummings from Wildlife Mississippi. When we come back, we're going to be talking turkey. We'll see you after this. Oh.
1: Hi, I'm Thomas Trammell with Family Termite. The season's getting a lot colder and different kinds of insects are going to start coming into your home, into your structures, and your business. Look out for ladybugs, cockroaches, mice, and rats. You can call us for any of those things and we can take care of you. Call Family Termite at 601-933-1014 or reach us on our website at www.family-termite.com. Call us at 601-933-1014.
5: The new degree of comfort. At Trust Care Health, we're reimagining healthcare for the modern world. No long waits or hoops to jump through. Just the five-star care you deserve and the convenience you need. From urgent care available seven days a week <coughs> to routine care for the whole family. You're good to go. See you in a couple months. You can get in and out and back to your life. Mama! Stop by one of our convenient locations or visit TrustCareHealth.com. Trust care Health. I love it. Catfish is
1: excellent.
0: For a flipping good time,
1: come down to Cock of the Walk.
3: I'm JT Mitchell, and you're listening to Super Tall Mississippi News. Ole Miss has officially announced Chris Beard as the university's new head men's basketball coach. Beard previously coached for both
1: Texas Tech and Texas before being fired from the latter for alleged domestic violence. Those charges were later dropped in 12 years as a college coach. Beard has compiled a 237 and 98 record. He'll be publicly introduced Tuesday
3: at 5.30. And with spring break beginning for many across the state today, officials on the Florida Gulf Coast are warning visitors of an infestation of Portuguese man-o-war. The creatures are similar to a jellyfish but can be much more dangerous when stung. Officials in the city of Destin say the venom produced is powerful enough to send some to the hospital. They continued saying there are currently thousands of man-o-wars along the Panhandle
1: beaches. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm J.T. Mitchell. Before your next trip into the great Mississippi outdoors, make sure you stop by your local Gateway Tire and Service Center, where we go the distance for you. No matter where the road takes you, Kenda has a tire designed for your journey. On the road, on the trail, or on the racetrack, you can count on Kenda quality. For the past 50 years, Kenda has been building a better tire for life's most demanding activities. Actually, they overbuilt them to ensure you succeed safely in everything you do. Gateway Tire and Service Center supports Mississippi Outdoors, and of course, we go the distance
0: for you. Feeling down? Here's your prescription for a daily dose of good news and positive vibes. Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Every afternoon, Rebecca highlights all the good things happening right here in the state you call home. Daily exposure to good things with Rebecca Turner may cause smiling, feelings of positivity, happiness, and even laughter. When you experience these symptoms, tell your friends to listen. O- okay. Weekdays starting at 2 p.m. here on Super Talk Mississippi, and now on Amazon Alexa devices. This is Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews
3: on Super Talk
0: Mississippi. It's
3: Welcome back to Super Talk Outdoors. Man, I really enjoyed that conversation with James Cummings. We're so lucky to have someone like him who's literally written the book on conservation in North America here in Mississippi. His leadership of uh, Wildlife Mississippi. Is so important, and he's the president of the current president of the Boone and Crockett Club. So his uh, his national voice is very substantial. And I will remind you those two quotes that I said at the beginning. The first one by Nancy Newell: "Conversation is humanity caring about the future." And I quote my friend Haley Barber. One one of the things he said after Hurricane Katrina, he said. What will our kids and our kids' kids say of us? Will they say we got it right? And this was about the rebuilding effort and all the work that we had to do to bring uh, coastal Mississippi back. You know, this whitetailed deer issue and others like it are just like that. They're generational issues. And what will our what will our kids and our kids' kids say of us? Will they say that we protected wildlife ownership and that we understood that the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks needed to be the central arbiter of the management of wildlife in the state? Um, I think we're going to end up there, but uh, that's important. And in the in this last quote uh, the second quote that I shared at the beginning of the storm, uh, the uh, uh, the show from Aldo Leopold, Conservation is a state of harmony between men and lamb.' land. We are out of harmony right now because of efforts to make the sale of whitetail deer illegal I mean, legal in this state, but we'll get it back in harmony again, but we just all got to work together on that issue. Now let's shift gears and move over to my friend Adam Butler, who's the Wild Turkey Program Coordinator for the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks. He's a good friend of this show, someone I really enjoy spending time with, and we got, we got, we got turkey season coming up and um, Adam and I are going to chat about it. How you doing my friend?
6: Oh. oh, it's it's that week, you know, that that week where everybody catches a cold or has to call into work or you know you, you, you put a lot of strain on the family and the boss. You need to come in a little late some mornings. you know, it's here.
3: Well, you know what's cool. The, the, there's a kind of a buildup, and social media kind of gives this to you. I watch my friends, uh, let's see people like Lake Pickle and Jordan Blissett from the Primos team. You know, they go to another state and they turkey hunt and they have great success. And I watch Cus Strickland who went down to Florida. Uh, with, uh, with a veterans effort that he's been involved with year after year. And they're posting great pictures of veterans with their, with their turkeys, et cetera. But it, you know, it starts to get people kind of excited. You know, these guys, man, they are addicted. I mean, it is, if there's an addiction, if this is a it, it, turkey honey is their addiction. The way they talk about it, the way they have this relationship with the turkey. I recall my time with Will Primos, who's been on the show several times. He's such a dear friend. But when Will talks about turkey hunting, it is literally a religious experience. You know, he feels like oh, yeah. he doesn't need to pray because in the moment, he feels like he is literally
6: in a prayer in the moment. Um, but you I, talk- I've probably I've probably said it on the show before, but my wife calls it a cult. She says all of us <laughs> are crazy turkey hunters are we're we're all members of a cult together. <laughs> hey man, it, I, I get it. it. it I get it. it. You know it's it, it's so weird. You know I've got friends that I may not talk to you know a handful of times throughout the year, but I'm going to talk to them every single day during turkey season. You know just to kind of rehash what happened this morning and. How the old bird beat me this time, and what the game plan for tomorrow might be. So it's definitely special, and it's uh, you know all hunting is special, all outdoor memories are special. But uh, you're right in that turkey hunting sure does get into people's blood and and become something um, something pretty powerful in their life. You know. Hey, listen, I want to I want to tell you a quick story. Um, my son
3: Jordan is uh, he loves to turkey hunt, and when he was at law school at Ole Miss. He would do a lot of hunting on public land and he had I think I've mentioned to you before, he one particular turkey he pursued for days and days and days. He never he never shot the turkey, but he said it was his best turkey hunts he's ever been on as he went up and down these ridges and it was just a you know, he'd get there at three o'clock in the morning and be able to get to where he wanted to go, and then he would go to law school after he finished his hunt. But but he loves to hunt and I've been we had we had a a place that we leased or we were a member of a club in we reading at one point. One son was at Auburn, one was at Ole Miss, and this was a great place for us to 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 uh, to to meet and we would turkey hunt together and I had so much fun going with him on these turkey hunts as he had this conversation with turkeys. well anyway, uh, a few years ago, not long you us know, say maybe four or five years ago, Jordan and I went up to Walnut, Mississippi, right there on the t- Tennessee line yeah. at at my friend, uh, Al Hopkins, who unfortunately just passed away. God, what a beautiful, amazing man he was. Uh, Al Hopkins, just a special, special man. But uh, I killed my first turkey on on his farm up there. And it was literally epic. And I can get why people, once they have had this conversation and it culminates with shooting the turkey, and then you get to eat those breasts and the camaraderie around it, I get why people get hooked to it. And I mean, it's literally a lifelong quest, isn't it?
6: Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I, 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 it's one of the few things in my life that just, you know, never changes. You know, every year, um, spring season, always, it means the same thing to me today that it did 20 years ago. And, and I'm sure 20 years in the future it will, too, hopefully, if we have uh, abundant turkeys in the future, which is, you know, something that I wake up thinking about every day. So uh, it's special. And, you know, Mississippi is a special place in the turkey hunting world for a lot of the reasons that, that you talk about. Um we, you know, we 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 get picked on about a lot of things, uh, but if you look at uh, kind of the hunting and outdoor industry, and specifically turkey within that, you know, we are way overrepresented at the national level. Uh, people recognize that Mississippi is a blue chip state in the turkey hunting arena, and and we've got really really deep roots in that tradition. You
3: know, I had uh, I had uh, Cus Strickland. And uh, Daniel Hayes on my show just a couple of weeks ago from Mossy Oaks, and we had a a terrific conversation. But their Mr. Fox turkey vest sold at the National Wild Turkey Federation annual meeting at the auction for $31,000, man. $31,000. $31,000. Wow.
6: Yeah. I was up there. So I was up there at the uh, NWTF convention, and I saw. Uh, I guess it was the maybe the second day. I, I saw Cuzz Strickland and pulled him aside, and I asked him how. You know, they were selling off a certain number of those vests up there, and I asked him about it, and he told me that they they the vests went on sale. I think at ten o'clock in the morning, and they had people lined up at seven p.m. the night before to be the first in line. <laughs> so Isn't that, that something- crazy? Yeah,
3: and, you know, I saw a video in the last couple of days where Toxie said they're going to do one more run to give people an opportunity to have that vest. It's a, if you get, if you ultimately get a copy of that vest, it's going to be quite a keepsake. But. It speaks to Mr. Fox, uh, Toxie's father, and, and this legacy that he's leaving behind for Toxie and his grandsons. And uh, we had an opportunity to chat about that a little bit. And it was, uh, you know, you know again, Monsey Oaks is in the state of Mississippi. Primos is, you know, started in Mississippi as well, and all these other Mississippi companies. But those in particular that center around, you know, that turkey hunting has such a big part of of, of, of who they are, um, they are the ultimate ambassadors for the state when you when you talk about presenting Absolutely. Mississippi as the capital of the outdoors, aren't they?
6: Absolutely. And, I, and I've heard, you know, from from both of those gentlemen who started those companies, were it not for turkey hunting, their companies would probably not exist. know, they're bigger than turkey hunting now, but were it not for turkey hunting in the beginning, you know, that that was the that was what uh, sparked their their uh, entrepreneurial spirit going down those lines so yeah it's special we have a we, we, it's a special bird it's a special tradition and um you know mississippi is a special place for it no doubt
3: it, it is right well you know again you know there are other states that can claim great turkey hunting but one of the one of the incredible awesome dimensions of hunting in mississippi is the turkey hunting what makes mississippi so darn good
6: um well I, a lot of things I, I think you know one um well, I, well I, I'll give you a, a particular one. Uh, you quoted Aldo Leopold just a, a little bit ago at the beginning of this segment. And and Aldo, you know, he was from the upper Midwest, but he came here in the 1920s and assessed. Uh, he wanted to see if some of his theories that he had had uh, that in, in practice in the Midwest applied to the southeast, applied to other parts of the country. And for whatever reason, he chose Mississippi to come do an assessment. And all the way back in, in 1928 in his report, he states that in no state that he had visited had he found more potential for abundant wild turkey populations as compared to mississippi so even you know almost a full century ago people were recognizing that our state you know had the unique types of habitats and in environments that were going to be good for turkey and then you know we were one of the earliest states to really un- undertake the restoration of wild turkey if you look at uh, the agency that I worked for, which was the Game and Fish Commission, when it was first established, you know, right out of the gate, the when the legislature created our agency in 1932, restoration of the wild turkey was a top priority. And so we undertook that a lot earlier than a lot of the rest of the country did. And because of that, we've had turkey populations, huntable turkey populations here, um, much longer than than a, a lot of other states have had and so i think that will that has that allowed sort of that fertile ground for that deep tradition um that we have here that so many passionate people so much interest in it and and then all of the offshoots of that like some of the companies that you've named that are centered around turkey hunting early for a founded kind of around turkey hunting so it, we we we've, we've got a lot to be proud of uh, when it comes to the bird for aldell
3: leopold the father of the north american conservation model to have Mississippi as sort of the center of his research and his proclamation that the wildlife belong to the people and we better manage it accordingly. Uh, boy, Mississippi's got its place in history as it relates to that. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Adam Butler from the Turkey Program at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. As you can tell, it's always a great conversation. We'll see you after this break. Whistling
1: that sweet soul Land called home I breathe Mississippi Till I'm
3: I'm Lauren McGraw with gotta Go. I'm here to help you with your special events like picnics, reunions, or weddings. We have many options of luxury restroom trailers. No event too big or too small. When you got to go, please call gotta Go 601-879-3969.
5: Spring is near, so it's time to get in gear with the mighty 3E John Deere compact tractor from Ag Up Equipment. This tough tractor is efficient, economical, and easy to use. And with 0% for 60 months, plus an added $1,000 off, Ag Up Equipment is making it even easier to own. Gear up for spring with big savings at Ag Up Equipment. Visit any of our 16 convenient locations or browse online at agup.com. Offer Enzo for 3023. Some exclusions apply. See dealer for details.
4: That's 601-345-8090 Or online at baroniestreepros.com. That's baroniestreepros.com.
5: I'm getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20 So am I, because I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia I'm asking about Prevnar 20 because there's a chance pneumococcal pneumonia could put me in the hospital Age 65 or older, you may be at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20. Pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a Pfizer vaccine that can help protect against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. I want to be able to keep my plans. So I'm asking my doctor about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20. At Toyota
2: Brookhaven, we want to cover you up with great deals and service. We thought you should know that we've been voted Best New Car Dealership and Best Service Department in the Best of the Best Awards. Even someone with whiskey glasses can see why we're number one. So visit us on-site, Exit 40 in Brookhaven, or online at Toyota of Brookhaven.com. Great service, great saving. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver.
5: How did Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation impact rural broadband internet?
6: In January of 2019, Governor Phil Bryant signed a law allowing our state's 25 electrical cooperatives to offer high-speed Internet options.
3: Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation lobbied in support of this bill to improve the quality of life for all Mississippians. Because when Mississippi thrives, we all thrive. You can bet the
1: farm on it. To learn more about the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation, visit us online at msfb.org.
2: Here with a special invitation to join us weekday morning 6 till 09. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis, all right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3.
0: Live in one of the best places in America to enjoy the outdoors. So let's talk about it. It's Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back to Super Talk Outdoors. You're talking about a show today jam packed. With stuff you better listen to, or maybe you want to listen to, enjoy listening to. This part of the conversation with Adam Butler from the um, from the Wild Turkey Program at the Department of Wildlife Fisheries and Parks is one of them. You know, it's always interesting. We always have fun chats during uh, during the breaks, and um, this 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 hour here has been an hour that the foundation has been involved with for the Department of Wildlife Wildlife Fisheries and Parks for a number of years. And uh, about uh, in October, let's see, a little over a year ago, uh, we we changed the name to Super Talk Outdoors. I came in as the host, a former newspaper publisher, someone who loves the outdoors, I hunt and fish, have place up in the Mississippi Delta, live on the water in Biloxi. Um, I'm so passionate. And I'm extremely independent, which gives me a, I think, a wonderful voice and 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 the more controversial things that we might talk about. But Adam and I were chatting about how you know this this long history that the department's had, not only with this show but just in general, the importance of public outreach and communicating with the public and keeping people fired up and and educated about why it's important to take conservation so seriously. Um, you know, Adam in particular, because you know, I've got I've had the opportunity to meet so many wonderful people in the department. I respect them all; they're all great communicators. But I always enjoy when we're talking about wild turkeys. I, I want to talk to Adam because he's so so well connected and so passionate about what he's doing and he's also a great communicator did that come natural to you adam
6: um I, you know i don't really know I, like i was telling you over the break I, I i i made up my mind when i was probably a teenager that i wanted to be a biologist and i just assumed that that meant you you stay out in the woods all the time you know <laughs> playing with animals and tagging them or whatever you do and uh going i it, it worked out for me that I grew up a, a Mississippi State fan, and as it turns out, Mississippi State has one of the more well-respected, restri- r- well well-respected wildlife science programs in the in the United States. So that worked out really good for me. But I remember going to Mississippi State, majoring in wildlife, and um, had to take a speech class. pretty early on, you know. And I remember thinking, why, Lord, you know, I'm going to be a biologist. Why am I taking a speech class? And uh, as it turns out, you know, you, that is a, a, a skill set that that it has come pretty. Uh, it's become pretty important in in my job, and I think you know it goes back to like what you're talking about. So many people in our state are passionate about wildlife; they're interested in it, they want to know more about it. And a lot of times, you know, biologists like myself, we're introverted. We want to be out in the woods. We don't want to have to have to uh, be in front of a crowd. But it is it is important. So I don't know if it came natural or if um, I've acquired it over over time. But I think it is important to be able to communicate. You know, because people cherish these things so much, you want to be able to identify with them and and uh, make sure we're all kind of pulling pulling weight together to try to ensure that these turkeys and deer and ducks and everything else are going to be around a hundred years from now.
3: Yeah, generational work, like I said. You know, Adam. One of the cool things about you're first of all you're a great communicator, but I think it's important for people to understand that the role that you play and helping people understand why conservation is important, why the work of the wild turkey um, program is important. Um, You know, one of the things that's important is the fact that you're talking to a larger group of people because during the pandemic, you know, more people found turkey hunting, more people found duck hunting, more people found uh, white-tailed deer hunting. But it's true, I mean, the the people who want to enjoy turkey hunting, Something about the pandemic and knowing that we were safe outside, people got reintroduced to the outdoors in ways. And I bet you hear that all the time, don't you?
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we've got really good numbers on that. And it, it wasn't just hunting, it was all outdoor activities, camping, fishing, canoeing, I mean, everything, hiking, you know, you name it. Uh, nationwide, there was a huge upsurge in outdoor activities, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, ultimately, it's a good thing because, you know, just speaking for myself, um, being connected with nature and the outdoors is like the most rewarding part of my life. And it's kind of like my center, you know, like when I get when, when things get stressful, or I get out of whack, you know, spending a little time in the woods brings it all back in, in harmony for me. Um, and so that's good that a lot of people, you know, now have that outlet that maybe didn't before uh from a resource management standpoint it does uh bring challenges uh we've got data that has showed the number of turkey hunters in mississippi has almost doubled in the last decade um which um you know on the one hand is good because there you know you got that much interest in the bird and that means more people wanting to conserve it and and all that but it is uh putting a lot more demand on a resource that's probably not growing and so that's um that's a challenge to try to balance those two things you know
3: Hey when you went to the National Wild uh, Turkey Federation annual meeting is this a common theme across uh, you know all the states of uh, of America
6: yeah, uh, pretty much. I mean, especially in the southeast, Mo- most southeastern states are not really seeing turkey populations growing anymore. Um, there's a couple North Carolina's uh, still seeing some growth. There's a few others, but, but by and large, you know, populations are stabilized to decreasing, but the number of people interested is not decreasing. And so that's, you know, that's common, common talking point when the, when the group of biologists get together. Adam Butler, Wild Turkey
3: <clears throat> Program Coordinator for the Department of Wildlife Fisheries and Parks. We'll come back to you in a few weeks and check in and see how the turkey season is going so far. Absolutely. This has been a great great show today. I want to thank you for listening. And as I always say, stay safe. Stay safe when you're in the outdoors. God bless you, and we will see you next week. I
1: said, three, Mississippi to this land, go-